You are now tuning into Abstract Thought. It's a podcast where uh, Midwest artists and creatives talk about some of their passions, things that they're interested in, and uh, highlight some of their experiences. And today I'm sitting down with Bo. Is that how you pronounce his first name? Yep. Bo and last name. Let me give it a shot. Gunnan? Ginnan. That's Bo Ginnan. Ah, close. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very unique name, man. That's pretty cool. It's a good way of putting it for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Is, is it something people frequently mispronounce or? Yeah, all the time. And both of them, it's, I get a lot of views and blah, or, you know, like they don't, they're not ready for the EAU part on the end of my name. So I, I actually, I met a dude named Bo a couple of weeks ago. That was, he, he had a similar spelling and I was like, oh, well, that's how you pronounce that. I feel like I've seen it written many times, but not had verbally pronounced it prior. So good yeah. to meet another bow. Right. Right on. How are you doing today, man? Doing all right. Hanging in there. Uh, yeah. Good, man. Nice. Crazy going on. So that's what's up. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I wanted to have you on specifically just because. Um, I came across your work on Instagram. You have a really, really cool, um, you know, illustration style that I think is super unique, super fresh. I've, I've always appreciated as somebody who paints abstract stuff. I appreciate people who can paint realism and can paint like, you know, illustration wise stuff that looks like it's supposed to look, the proportions are proper. Um, so I, I really am drawn to that with your work. I thought that's super cool. Um, you. And you're, you're based in Indiana. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I live in Indianapolis area now. I mean, it's nice. uh, considered Indianapolis, just south of Carmel, the Nora area, if you're familiar with that. Definitely. So, Have you yeah. always lived in that area? Uh, my wife and I moved up here about six years ago. Well, I guess it's going on six. It was in 2016. Um, her job kind of transitioned from Marion, Indiana to Carmel. And so um, kind of found a nice uh, neutral spot at the time. Like I started working at a tattoo shop downtown in Indianapolis. So it was kind of like a nice little in between. Nice. Yeah. What was the shop downtown Indy? Um, it was called Masterwork Tattoo. Nice. Still Had there. you been there for a while? Um. Yeah, I think I, I was there from 2016 to 2018 before I quit. So not not a long time, but um, I had known the owner, Jacob, for probably seven or eight years prior to that. So Nice. That's what's yeah. up. And ha do you have like a classical, um, well, I don't even know if classical is the term, but did you attend like art school or is drawing something that, you know, ever since a kid you, you've been doing? Sure. Um, I, I actually went to Indiana Westland and have a, a degree in illustration. So yes, um, I, you know, coming out of it now and you probably hear a lot of other people say this, like, I'm not sure if that was necessary at the time. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think if you just took off and spent that time instead drawing and painting, you know, instead of going through, a lot of the primary education stuff, a lot of the, you know, the secondary courses or whatever you want to say could probably catch you up. I mean, I don't regret it at all. It's great, great school. I had a great education, but 
once again, again, like art degrees aren't <laughs> always like the best direction, I think from looking back at it now. So, but anyway, I digress. Yeah, no, definitely. That's, that's an interesting point. And I've had similar discussions with some of my classmates. I went to, uh, to Heron yeah. and, um, you know, it's, there's kind of this dichotomy between the designer classes and then the art classes. Um, neither is less, neither is more, but it's just, you know, different types of folks go there for different types of things. And you know, sure. the, the designers in, in some of the classes were geared towards like working with businesses directly and how to, you know, design stuff for certain touch points for a company. And then the artists are just like, dude, we're here doing whatever. Like I'm, if I'm just going to paint something I like and that, and I didn't get that experience cause I was in the design program. So I thought that that freedom was really cool, but maybe kind of like you're saying, if I had that freedom early on, I don't even know what I would, I don't think I would know what to even do with that. Like, yeah. you know, it, it took me grinding yeah. out my, my day job to kind of find out what I really wanted to do, you know? And yeah. if I was, if I was given that early on, I feel like it, you know, it'd be really cool to have that exploration. And especially if you had certain professors or something that provided some guidance, um, maybe they could help steer you in a certain way. Um, yep. But yeah, I digress as well. Um, when you were a kid, were you drawing or is, is, is art something that frequently was part of your life? Yeah, I mean, I was, definitely was not as much as I probably should have been. I mean, I, it's, it's tough to look back on it now and say like, you know, at age six, like, could have been so much better if I was drawing, you know, when I was in kindergarten or something. It sounds really stupid, but, um, but drawing for fun, definitely. I was that kid like sketching on paper and stuff. And I think, I think as a kid, like I had an older brother who I would draw with and stuff. So that definitely, that definitely helped. And, uh, he was always like into athletics and stuff. I think that like drawing was like, honestly, like the one thing that I could do better than him. So it was kind of like, you know, I was kind of like pushing that a little bit, like, yeah, you know, I got this thing that you don't have. And that kind of encouraged me a little, honestly, yeah. to, to, to be in that world and just kind of explore that way. So did draw. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have an older brother as well. Who's, you know, very intellectual, very book smart, you know, stunning grades. And I was yeah. just like, I'm, I'm just going to do my art stuff over here. <laughs> yeah. I could definitely relate. What type of stuff were you drawing early on? Like as a kid? Uh, most of it was really honestly just drawn from like pop culture stuff, like stuff that I thought was cool as a kid. So cartoons, you know, like, um, comic books, obviously I used to have a lot of, uh, like Garfield uh, treasuries in my house and like far side books and stuff like cartoon uh, comic strip, whatever you want to call it that I would be into. I think um, I'm 40. So like in the eighties, like certain properties became big. that are still big today. Like Ninja Turtles was like a huge influence. Uh, Marvel comics in the nineties, like the whole Jim Lee, thing and then image comics and all that was very influential um just kids books honestly like children's books i would still go back and look at some of those and like just check out the way that they were drawing and that type of thing it's kind of yeah i don't know i guess i was still and still am inspired by children's books but um definitely like when you're a kid 
you're not even thinking about like, well, what kind of artists like, can I research or whatever? It was always just like influenced from like the crap you watched on TV, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Like, in my, anyways. So. Yeah, that's super cool. I Were you like doing, were you tracing some of the things that you saw in comic books or were you basically just like looking and then trying to transfer those onto a different sheet of paper or how did, how did you kind of blend those to get them to actually be applied? Yeah. A little bit of both. I think, um, I remember looking at comic books. I remember like trying to study this, of how a person's like shoulder worked or whatever. And there was this really sweet, I can't even tell you what it was. I just remember drawing black Panther shoulder over again, but then I can also say I trace quite a bit, which is totally cheating, but also super helpful. Um, I traced a lot too. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) For like high school stuff, even I would look back and I was like, what was I doing? Like I obviously I would, I think there was like a Romeo and Juliet comic book or something that I was working on for some project for a high school, like writing course or some kind of literature course. And I, I looked back on it now. I was like, obviously I had like traced out half of the panels in the, in the Romeo and Juliet comic book. So <laughs> that's funny, but, but I mean, it definitely is a helpful tool to learn, honestly. But I mean, is yeah. that what your experience is as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was, uh, I was really drawn to like, I played a lot of sports as a kid. So I was like always drawing like sports team logos or like I, there was a time in fourth grade, I made um, little paper footballs, you know, the triangle footballs that you make out of paper. Yeah. And I made 50 paper footballs and then I painted each football professional team logo on each football. So there's like a green Bay Packers paper football. Like I, and I use like, colored pencil or something and i spent way too long on them (laughs) yeah but i don't even remember doing that and when i i moved out of my my parents place a while ago and my mom actually handed me a tupperware container and was like you know over all these years i held on to these little footballs and i was like no way this is unreal (laughs) yeah it's funny the things you're you know your little brain will occupy and, and spend its time like i really cared about those i must have right And I'm sure like sketching your comic stuff, like it was, you know, you like the stories probably like the, the aesthetic and the style of the comics. And you're like, you know, it's just festering in your head and you're trying to like get some of that out onto paper. I think that's really cool. For sure. Did Um, you have any like early teachers or, um, you know, parents or friends that kind of encouraged your art early on? I think so. Um, I mean, my mom always encouraged it. Um, I had an art teacher in elementary who her name was Miss Shell Hammer, but um, would just like would compliment my stuff or whatever I could say was my stuff there at the beginning, just art projects, you know, for school and just kind of encouraged me to draw more and um, just like give me praise for the little things that I had created. So that was definitely helpful. It was always that like, push would be like okay well you know this is this is a value this is like something that i can do to, to occupy my time that's you know definitely like uh, productive and hopefully will benefit me someday so definitely. for sure that's awesome um so you said you went to indiana wesleyan for illustration what was that program like like did you was it just drawing constantly like were they burning you guys out on having to just 
crank out illustration work very fast or how was it structured? From what I can remember, you know, we had, we had drawing one, drawing two, which was basically just like filling up sketchbooks. But um, I can honestly say like my college experience with art because of me was probably a little lacking. Like I was a little lazier. I wasn't, I wasn't there at like, you know, Westland was not obviously like this party scene college by any means, but for me, it was about like hanging out with friends, you know, playing video games, getting my schoolwork done for sure. Drawing, but I never disciplined myself to where it was like, well, I want to do more. I would complete the assignments and and do them to the best of my ability. But a lot of them seemed like work at the time instead of like fun. So, um, but yeah, we had design one, design two, which was like 2D art and then 3D um, and then um, like graphic design. Obviously, that was like a kind of a short course as well. Um, and then when you finally got to illustration, I think illustration didn't come till at least like sophomore year from what I can remember. And, uh, we had this really sweet dude named, um, okay. I can't remember his name. Oh, Mazellan, Ron Mazellan. And he's the last name, a working illustrator. Yeah. Total, total like wizard. And I don't know if you've ever like he did stuff more in the style of like movie posters. There was a guy named, um, okay. I can't remember his name either. <laughs> That's all good. Dude, did all these like Indiana Jones posters. He did like all the, he did some of the star Wars posters. Are they the ones where it's like, there's all the characters like stacked and sort of like a mosaic with like a planet behind them and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Like the, such montage. an iconic look, man. Beast. Yeah. So he, that was kind of his style and he would work in oils and everything else and just make these amazing pieces and just like the sweetest dude too would take his time and, and really work with every student just one-on-one, super patient with everybody, super understanding everybody's process. Um, but, but I mean, that was basically like my college experience with it. Um, and I will say there towards the end, I worked a lot harder and really tried to apply myself and understand things. And, um, but even then, you know, that was kind of like, that was kind of like the beginning of things. It was kind of like the beginning of understanding like how paint works. I knew I could draw better than most people in my class in high school. When you get to college, it's like the playing field is level You're like, Oh, I'm just some dude, you know, now I can draw. Okay. But so can everybody else in my class. And so I think the competition definitely helped foster that, that feeling mm-hmm. of you of like, I really got to get my stuff together. And like, and at the same time, you're like, everybody's encouraging each other, which is cool. So I don't know where it, I was, at, but was it a pretty like tight knit class? Like, you know, was it, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, basically were you, were your classmates and you, by the time you were at like your, the end of your program, super like close and everybody's kind of collectively pushing each other? Yes and no. I think, um, I did the majority of my stuff, like in my dorm. I mean, there was, the art room was always open, but there wasn't that like super close knit community within that because everybody was kind of doing their own thing at that time, I guess. Um, I was more, close with my my roommates or whatever obviously but um 
I mean, there's definitely, it's the same with, if anything, you know, you make friends and you develop those relationships that usually carry throughout. And there's still some dudes that I'm talking to or have a relationship with now that I met in, you know, Westland. So awesome. So that's no, perfect. I'm, yeah. Still got that core group going. That's super cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty close with a few buddies from, from Heron still. And it's, it's been interesting to see. I mean, I graduated not too long ago, but it's cool to see even still where, where everybody's branched out to, or some of the things that they're doing now, be it still pursuing art or pursuing fashion, or, you know, one of my graphic design friends does like these really cool custom, like DIY fashion pieces, shout out Alex. Um, but yeah, he just, I would have never thought he'd get into something like that, but when you really know him and then you get to know that he did this graphic design process and then himself with that sort of emerged this fashion discipline. So it's been super cool to observe some of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. What are some of your buddies from, from there doing, or were, were the people you were rooming with also art majors or were they just general Indiana Wesleyan students? Yeah, they're just, uh, students and, um, um, I mean, one guy I stay in contact now with actually ended up, his name's Keith Lowe, who he's, I mean, he's an illustrator, but he worked in, in like the video game industry for quite a long time. And then, um, he would, he would draw like, uh, or I guess I should say he would design like walkthrough books for like, uh, certain video games. I can't remember what the company's called now, but that was kind of like his gig doing that back in the day where you would like, you know, you would go to the the bookstore and buy a magazine off the rack to tell you like how to beat a video game so this was like early 2000s and then mm. i think he transferred more into like tabletop gaming stuff and had success in that but he's actually a professor now at nina wesley and teaching illustration so wow it's kind of full circle for him but yeah I'm, i was gonna ask you i mean did you did you guys have that there's moments in college where you would have to like critique each other's projects, like in front of each other. Yeah. Like, it was super weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that whole, that whole vibe. What was that like for you? First couple oh. of times. Uh, I think it's appreciative, you know, you know, like it was kind of heartbreaking sometimes, but also kind of like you have to go through this because if no one tells you your stuff sucks, you know, you're never going to, get better but it's just so awkward like telling your homie like i think you could have you know i think you could have put more you have to be real strategic with your work right. more emphasis on this or like maybe the shape isn't working or whatever and stuff so it yeah it was very interesting like the give and take of that there's always a tactful approach to it that it kind of cracks me up because there were always those people in class who they just give feedback and it, it comes out, it comes out hot. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, like they're not, they're not softening the blow at all. It's coming in <laughs> hot and you know, they give good feedback. I mean, but it's just the way it's it, the way it hits is like, dang, man, I did not. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to do that, but um, you know, now that you bring it to my attention, you almost feel bad <laughs> at a certain point. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, that's probably all part of it. I just wonder, I just wonder what's going through the professor's mind sometimes at those points, like if they're trying to just play it cool and, you know, let everybody <laughs> speak their piece or if they're just mm -hmm. kind of like laughing at the, I don't know. It's such an interesting, like, 
vibe when when you're still you have these like young adults who're still transitioning from high school and still that like high school mode of like everybody's still a little insecure or like you don't you're trying to work out of that phase but you know it's a college is a whole new thing and then you got people like saying well your art is cool but it could be cooler <laughs> you know i just think that's really funny for some reason yeah it's like having feedback from your professors is one thing because it's like yeah like you're a master of the craft you you know what's going on i'm just a kid here in class Exactly. But it's, it's always this weird dichotomy when there's like your peers that are, you know, they're at the same level you're at. So it's, it's always kind yeah. of interesting. Um, I had a photography course that I took probably my sophomore or junior year. And we had this TA like teacher's assistant lady in our class who she took over a few, a few lectures. I don't recall why exactly, but mm-hmm. man, her feedback was like, I mean, it was hard to hear. Like people left that critique crying like full on. It was like, (laughs) it was one of the most damaging critiques I had ever been on. And like, yeah, I mean, I I take my work pretty seriously. And, but at the same time, I also could sort of sense like maybe this lady who's doing this critique wasn't, I don't know, maybe she's having a bad day. You know, it probably has less to do with our art being redundant and terrible and more to do with this weird concoction of her, where, where she's at in her life, or maybe she's trying to cement her place as an authoritarian teacher. And she's trying to prove to the professor that, you know, there's all these variables. So I always took, you know, critiques and stuff with a bit of a grain of salt, but if I really respected the work that someone was doing, who was providing me with the critique, then I would listen a a bit harder. Um, Because if it's just critique for critique's sake, you know, what good is that necessarily going to do for my art practice per se? But, you know, if there's somebody who I really like the stuff that they do and they're providing me with a perspective I hadn't thought of, I really appreciate that type of feedback. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. What was the toughest art art course that you had? Mine was photography. Honestly, I just didn't get it. Like I didn't, I had never handled a camera camera before and like tried to fool with all the like light settings and all the, you know, I was just then getting into like composition and understanding that. And so, um, I think it probably be like anything else, if I would have stayed in it longer, just taken more shots overall and, uh, stayed in the lab more that I probably would have been more successful at it. But I was under the, I was just like, I don't, it was like one of those things like, well, I don't care. This isn't, you know, the same drawing. So yeah. slack off on it or whatever. But I don't know. It's kind of funny how your understanding of things change over time. Yeah. Was it darkroom photography, uh, black and white or color or, or all of the above? It was, I, I think the intro was like black and white only. And it was like darkroom. You had to develop everything yourself. And so, that was the other side of it when I was just like, this sucks, you know, <laughs> like I'll cut me out of here. I just want to go hang out with my friends and stuff. I mean, a majority of college, honestly, was just that repeating theme of like having a wrong attitude about things and stuff. So, but like I said, I wasn't like a total slouch with anything. I, I don't want to paint it like that, but. Um, Your heart wasn't in photography per se or the, especially dark, dark room photography. It's like, it's really cool, but it's definitely not for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. when you go out and you, you shoot those 24 frames and then you bring them to the dark room and then you just destroy them accidentally. 
because it right. takes a half hour to even, you know, get, get negatives out of your film. It's like, I remember a few times I took a camera and ran through all my film and I just, I missed one small step and just completely blurred and just yep. destroyed an entire <laughs> roll of shots that I was excited to see. And I'm just like, this yep. is pretty cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, totally. That same, same experience more or less. So yeah, the thing with photography for me that was hard was it's very process based and like you can actually make legitimate mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's kind of my thing with illustration too, that I really respect is that there are, there's like these unsung rules of like, let's say you're painting a, a frog or a bird or something. There's certain things that need to be a certain proportion in order for it to read as a bird or as a frog, or, you know, if his arm is just huge, it, you know, it starts to look off and like there, there are certain rules that you, you need to kind of abide by granted when you learn the rules, you can then break them right a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I always found that difficult in illustration. Cause like, I, I just think it comes with, you, you got to just do it so much and practice a lot. And eventually it becomes, you know, not stressful or difficult. But for me, drawing was always kind of hard, you know, and then I I never took like a, a fine painting course. I I took a few drawing classes, which was, it was cool. It was hard, but I just feel like mixing colors and paint would be very difficult when having to render something realistically. Um, an, an example I can go back to since I'm colorblind, like mixing paint has always been super hard. So like, in order, in order to get approved to go to Heron, we had to do like a, we had to show our portfolio or whatever. And I didn't have any paintings in my portfolio. I'm like, Oh, if I'm trying to go to art school, I should probably show the art people that I can do a painting. So like I went up in my bedroom and painted like, um, my like change jar. It was like one of those big water jugs that, Mm -hmm. you know, I just had spare change in and it was sitting on top of like a wooden, um, little bench or something. And so I, I took my time. I was up there for hours, you know, sketching everything out, filling things in, smoothing colors. And like, I, I was really proud of it. I thought it looked great, you know? And so I went downstairs to my parents. I was like, Hey, like I just did this painting. What do you guys think? And um, they looked at it and were like, Hmm. And my dad's first comment was, I don't remember us having that green table. <laughs> <laughs> So I was supposed to make it like a tan wood color and just from yep. mixing the colors wrong, you know, <laughs> I made this table look green and I'm just like, man. Sure. So when I, when I did my, my portfolio review at school, I was like, yeah, it's on a green table <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right. Why not? I mean, nobody, well, some people will be like, now this table is tan and you're painting, but what would been really cool is if you just did your own thing and made it green you know, like everybody's just kind of like has their own subjective view of it anyway. So true. ultimately it doesn't matter. And like what you probably obviously know, but value is way more important than color anyway. Right. So you got it. You know what I mean? Like you're already in there. Obviously you know what you're doing. Like, how was that? I mean, sorry if you've addressed this on other podcasts or whatever, but like, what was it like? Like kind of like, your challenges with being colorblind, like overcoming that, like, how does that work day to day? Um, well, the good thing is there, the benefit of working on a computer 
you know, has really helped me tremendously because I'm not having to, you know, grab blue, grab green, mix them together to get a certain, a certain teal. That's a certain value and saturation. I can just be like, Oh, I need a mint green. So I push the slider up to like green with a little blue and I just kind of move them around and I know where the colors sort of live. So Mm -hmm. digital helps for one, um, two, you know, doing large scale murals and, and canvases and paintings. Like I don't really mix colors ever. Everything I paint is like either it comes from the spray can and the spray can has the exact color written on it. And I know that, you know, okay, this is red or this is blue. I have full confidence going into it that it's going to, you know, it's going to come out that color and it looks like the color on the top is. So that's helped having everything labeled. But I remember as a little kid, in art class, like, you know, I went to a public, a a public school. So our art class, you know, they did the best they could, but we're looking at cardboard boxes full of crayons from like, you know, the eighties that all the crayons are broken, you know, all the little paper wrapper around the crayon, they're discolored. Just, I mean, it looks like a bomb went off in those things. You know, and, and so I, there's no label on them. So I'm like literally grabbing crayons, like just racking my brain. Like, I don't know what this is, but it looks orange, I guess, you know? So that was hard, but when things are labeled clearly, I think I can do okay with them, but that was probably the biggest struggle. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Thing. There was a, a Joel Janison who I, I worked with at Black Anvil Tattoo and he's still there to this day in Fort Wayne, but he is, he is colorblind and uh, makes that work. I think the last time I kind of asked him about it, he was, he had a similar answer, you know, just kind of like going by whatever the label says. And by this time he knows what's going to pop and what's not going to, and what's going to work together. So obviously you guys are both killers. So thanks man. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's interesting to see how colorblind folks kind of get around certain things. Um, Mm working in really like muted colors is very difficult for me. Like, you know, gray, beige, blue, gray, stuff like that. It's, it's just full on gray. So it, it's, it becomes a little tricky in those realms, but you know, I, it, I can see bright yellow. I can see bright red, bright green. It's okay. just certain random neutral hues get really lost sometimes. Um, speaking of tattooing, I wanted to ask you, you know, you, you go to art school and you have this like comic book tracing background as a kid. And, you know, I imagine you're working with pencil, you know, paint brushes on occasion. Um, you know, how does that transfer to using a tattoo gun? Cause like, you know, I don't know about anything about a tattoo gun. I just know it goes and you know, it's a needle of some sort, but you know, what is that like as a medium to actually use like as a tool? Was it really difficult or, you know, did you take to it pretty easily? Um, I think it really, uh, it was difficult. Um, I thought that it would be easier going in. I thought it would be like using a pencil on a person's skin. And so the machine is one aspect of the difficulty and the person's skin is the other. Um, Understanding like certain areas, you know, especially like from one inch to another would be totally difficult or totally different to tattoo. So one area maybe to of the skin may be totally resistant to, you know, pigment you're trying to put in one will be, you know, um, it'd go in easier. And so 
there are limited resources like when you first start out tattooing you know hearsay from your your mentors and stuff that'll help you along but most of that unfortunately is just by experience too so I definitely sucked for I would say probably two years unfortunately like at least like getting it um the thing that blows my mind is depth like there's a certain depth that you have to you have to tattoo if you go too deep it becomes like a bruise right and if you go too high the ink doesn't like settle in or something yeah how do you get a feel for that depth a lot of guys will just set their needle outside of their tube to a certain length and then just kind of put the tube all the way to skin every time and you always have that set field i just mm-hmm. kind of hung my out and went you know relatively deep you, you do just have to like develop a feel for it over time and even then um different people's skin reacts differently you'll have blowouts on people that you never thought you would or like you'll you'll encounter tough skin on a person you never thought you would so um it's it's kind of up in the air and usually you know, like I said, over time, you just develop that feel to where you're not, you know, okay, I have to stretch here, or I don't have to stretch it here, or I need more uh, light to see what I'm doing in this area because it's a problem for me in the past and mm. so on and forth. So it's just Interesting. all my process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely took me a long time to, to learn the needle and the skin. And then, I mean, everything comes with time, but like, course your uh your technique gets better your your i want to say patterns which is like the thing that scratchers will say like your tattoo pattern your <laughs> your stencils will get better and everything just becomes easier and more stress-free for sure but interesting yeah, it was it was a difficult time for sure i have a kind of bizarre question for you so mm-hmm. I think I may already know the answer to this, um, but I just wanted to, you know, put it in your lap and see kind of what your thoughts are on this. Um, So when you're doing a tattoo, let's say you're doing a tattoo on a guy whose skin is like, you know, it's just paper white. I mean, this guy's a ghost. You're Mm -hmm. essentially doing a tattoo on like a plain white sheet of paper. So when you apply dark, you know, black outlines or something to a, a person with a skin color that's so bright, you know, there's tremendous contrast. I mean, you can see that tattoo from a mile away, right? Sure. And then let's say there's somebody who's, you know, African-American or, you know, Native American or, you know, Indian or something, you know, there's, their, their skin is just basically a lot darker. But what mm-hmm. I find interesting is the tattoo, like let's say a professional basketball player, take LeBron James, for instance, he's got a bunch of tattoos, but like when you take a picture of LeBron James from far away, you know, they're all black ink tattoos on his skin, which is relatively dark. So there's Mm -hmm. not a tremendous amount of contrast. I imagine the reason for that is because, you know, one, that's kind of the traditional tattoo color is a lot of black ink, right? You know, it settles in, it's bold, it contrasts enough, but the, the question I guess I'm, I'm posing is why in tattooing is there no, why, why can't you just do stuff and outline things in white, you know, is white, does it just, you know, I, 
from my experience as a, as a painter, as a mural artist, white is just hard to get opaque. It doesn't last a very long time. You know, mm -hmm. it's very expensive to get colors that are pigmented like that. So I imagine in tattooing, it's probably similar. It just wouldn't hold up or wouldn't, you know, the pigmentation's not the same or something like that. Yeah. I, I guess that's my question. Why not in reverse? And it, it may just be the, the paint technology or ink technology, right? Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head there. Like you're already starting with something with very low contrast. So, um, but the thing of it is like, and people don't realize that I think the way the skin has like five layers and tattoo goes in the first two or something like it's been so long now. I probably, I'm probably saying that wrong, but like, so when it's, um, when it's first on there, that, that white's going to look super bright and poppy, but because that's like, it's more at the surface when the tattoo is first done, but you have to think of it as like, once it heals and that skin above it closes back up over it, whatever, whatever pigment your skin is, whatever pigmentation you have, it's almost like taking a, a filter, like say if like I had like a blue filter or a brown filter or whatever, taking a white sheet of paper that's ultra white, bright white, and just setting it on top of that. That's essentially what you're doing with the skin. Like once it heals up, whatever pigment your skin, it acts as like a filter just to put over that. So it's going to dampen it out essentially. Um, so, I mean, technically the more white you put in there, there's always a chance that it's going to be a little bit brighter, but um, bottom line, like color tattoos, it will, always be brighter on light skin, unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, however way you look at it. So do you think there will be a time in the future where some sort of ink is created that would actually contrast properly off darker skin or are there people trying to do that? I'm sure there are. I, I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, it's possible. I mean, there, it's not really like regulated by the FDA, you know? So it's like people just can kind of go buck wild. Like, and it's, it's not, it's healthy that most of the professional tattooers out there now are obviously using good quality, trusted inks that have lasted over time. haven't caused people problems, but there's also, so that's a whole other thing, right? <laughs> you know, do you want neon white ink in your skin? Maybe not. <laughs> exactly. I, I heard, um, from some dude who was, uh, military guy who was doing a tour somewhere i can even tell you but he said i think it was maybe afghanistan but you know there was like some backroom tattooing going on there and like and guys he he saw a guy come out with a, a tattoo on his arm is just kind of like glittering or like shining and i was like he was like dude that's amazing that color is just so like bright and vivid like where did you get that and he was like you know so and so here and so he stopped in there and the guy was essentially like from what, from what I remember, from what he told me, he was like essentially like using spray paint and just spray it in a cup and like <laughs> tattooing the people or something yeah. super along those lines. So yes. Dang, dude. I, there might be something down the line that is coming up that we don't know about, but That's I don't pretty know. gnarly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy story. I've never heard that. Man, I guess military dudes are something else, right? <laughs> you know, I really can't imagine are. that. That's crazy. <laughs> Just being yeah. around spray paint so much. That is harsh stuff, man, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, one thing I wanted to touch on as well. Um, I saw that you recently became a barber. Is that something that's been a few years in the making or, or how, how had that kind of started? Um, I guess, uh, so when I quit tattooing, it had been, I just kind of, uh, was a stay at home dad for about a year. And I painted and stuff, tried to build up my illustration portfolio for kids books. Um, at the same time, like I kind of felt like a bum because I wasn't making any money. My wife was working. Thank God she had a job that was, you know, enough income for us both. But at the same time, I felt kind of like I'm not contributing to this. I feel lazy, even though I am working on my artwork and that type of thing. So it's like, I need something, some part-time job started um, looking around for stuff that was in, you know, what, my background and my education had to offer around Indianapolis and it was pretty, it was pretty sparse still, mostly like factory jobs and stuff that I had come from that I knew they didn't want to work at again. Um, and there were some good ones and not to sound like hoity-toity, like I'm above that stuff, not at all, but I just don't, I think it was worth my time to do that and still try to make artwork and so on and so forth. So I was like, um, I had a barber friend in Wabash who was like, man, this is something that's similar to tattooing. I think you'd be really good at it. Like, um, you could still use your, your kind of your artistic eye and he encouraged me to pursue it. And it, so I think in, I started the barber program in March, 2020, like at the beginning of the whole pandemic thing. And so that was a year and a half program, like part-time and, uh, finished it here recently in like October or November and, and started. So I think I went overboard on your question there, but oh. <laughs> not at all. That's super cool. Super interesting. I, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I, it, it is cool how like you're dealing with doing tattoos and things needing to be a certain depth, et cetera. And, you know, cutting hair, there's a lot of depth that you're working with. You're kind of, I guess, cutting hair is, it's very sculptural to an extent, you know, it's a 3d form, but you're still using things like, um, you know, you're using a two guard or a three guard or something. So you have, you almost have paint brushes to an extent, you know, what has your transition to, to doing, you know, haircuts, how's that been coming from illustration? Honestly, I mean, it's kind of like starting over, you know what I mean? It is like, it's not, uh, there's some things that bleed over, but not a lot. Like, um, so it, it hasn't been like super rough. Like it was first starting tattooing because, uh, with tattooing, obviously you're putting something permanent on somebody. So like that pressure of doing that, starting out tattooing, you have no idea what you're doing. Essentially you're learning by experience. So it's not to the same effect, um, but it is. <laughs> so is that the, there's a high learning curve still. And I'm not, I, I don't think I'm messing up people's hair by any means, but um, I'm not where I want to be at the same time. So it's been, it's been okay. I'll say that like, um, progression, you know, and like I said, it, it's not awful, but it's, it's, I know it's going to take some time to get to, to where I want to be with it. Like anything else. Yeah, definitely. 
That's cool, man. Have you, um, it, is it one of those things that it just, it's just going to take time and just, you know, I guess my question is kind of where do you, where do you learn new techniques for, for being a barber? Or is it just something that over time you just develop through doing, you know, a bazillion haircuts, you, you sharpen the craft over time. Is that kind of how it is? Yeah, definitely a lot of both. I mean, I can, I can learn, I got some really great peers in the shop now that are open, you know, with questions or whatever else. Um, I mean, obviously like YouTube is a thing with every perfect, pretty much anything you want to do now. Like there's, there's helpful advice on that. It sounds goofy, but it's, it's true. Um, there's a lot of information, even like following people on social media, they'll always be dropping like some kind of information about it, how to get better and improve. So, uh, but yeah, any barber and every barber has told me like, you're only going to, you're only really going to learn by just doing it. So just go for it. You know what I mean? Awesome, man. Heck yeah. Are you still doing illustration stuff on the side too? Like for children's books, et cetera? Yeah. Um, like after I quit tattooing, I would do just stuff for uh, just random commissions. I mean, I'd still do like some more Japanese style pieces for people. But there's also like local people just asking for like the portraits of their dogs or like stuff for their kids. Um, and for a while I did just like these name piece illustrations where I would do a kid's name and try to incorporate something they liked into it. And was doing that for, for gifts and stuff. Um, right now, like I'm, I'm just going through this series of um, just basically like cowboy frogs. So <laughs> I'm working on that. Um, I have, I have most of them drawn. I just need to kind of finish like a series of just like little five by seven portraits of frogs wearing cowboy hats more or less, but it's a little more, a little more like involved to where like I'm trying to give each one a character and, and just kind of have fun with it and uh, um, see if it sells. And if it doesn't, it's cool. If it does cool, but just trying to have fun more. I think doing it more now is like, a hobby or a pastime than I was, you know, but that's fine. Like it's all good. Yeah, it goes back to just creating for the sake of creating, which is a more pure and you know almost enjoyable aspect to it for sure. Th- those look really awesome cool. by the way. Some of the ones you've you've posted are super duper cool, man. Thank you. I'm I'm impressed for sure. I think your style's so unique. Um are you are these analog like watercolor artworks or are, are you like working digitally? Cause I know like with iPads now there's, you know, the procreate app that a lot of people use. Have, have you messed around with anything digitally or are, or are you still pretty analog? Either way is fine, but I just wanted to, mm. you know, pick your brain on that. Yeah. I mean, with these, I, I drew them in procreate and then just print them off and, and trace them essentially on a watercolor paper and then go from there. Um, and it's mixed media, like, it's really liquid acrylic, but I use it like watercolor still from like, I'm just using my experience from painting flash and just kind of stuck in that. And then I'll use markers and white paint or whatever else on top of it to kind of finish it off. So a little bit of both. Um, procreate. I was kind of like, yeah. What are your thoughts? 
I was opposed to it. Like I was like a salty, you know, dog, like tattooer guy, like thought I was too cool for procreate. But then like when you sit down and use it, it's like, man, it's so fun. It's so good. So it makes things so much easier to process and so many things you don't even think about using like the whole 3d grid perspective app, the whole, or not perspective app, but the, the, uh, the, the whole symmetry thing is just so fun to mess around with. And I think I've just probably been putting it off for way too long. Now I admit it's just, it's amazing. I don't know. Do you use procreate? Are you like Photoshop guy or. Um, I, I've messed around with procreate. I've done like, like I said before, I come from a graffiti background. So I've like done a few graffiti pieces and yeah. stuff on there just cause you know, it's filling shapes in, outlining them, adding 3D backgrounds. I mean, that stuff's super fun to just do inside Procreate. But mm -hmm. um, for most of my artwork, it's very like vector based. So I don't know. I know there are the thing about Procreate that kind of is difficult for me is that it's still like a raster program. And so like it's still if you zoom all the way in, it's eventually pixels like it breaks down to pixels at a certain point which is great if you're doing things like illustration and like you're doing a lot of color blending and things like that. That's what pixels really, really mm -hmm. shine on. But you know, I, a lot of my stuff is it's so like sharp and geometric that like it needs to be aligned to like a vector backing or something that um, each point is like a mathematical dot, you know, and if I'm creating a shape, it goes right to that dot and it's, it's just quick and easy to run around that. Whereas Procreate is really good for doing like line contour, um, really organic shapes, smooth color blends and stuff like that. And my artwork just doesn't have a whole lot of that per se, but you know, maybe in the future, if I morph some of it, that direction, I might use a bit more. I'm not sure, but I use sure. illustrator mostly. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I can see why now with the, with the anchor points and stuff like that, like why that would benefit you more for your stuff. I mean, and sorry, like we should probably have a conversation outside of this just to talk about like, cause I want to know about your, your work too. Uh, but sure, I'm going to ask away. You're good. <laughs> okay. Like how much, how much graffiti work do you do now as opposed to like your mural stuff? Because I, I think like maybe a month or two ago, I was like, Oh, he also does all this graffiti stuff. I never even knew about. And you just seem like this like humble dude. who's like, yeah <laughs> like there wasn't even on your instagram there's not even like a, a link to your other thing as far as i know uh, right yeah so just, just, i think that's so cool that it was just like a mystery that i had to like oh man this is a whole other world like how much stuff do you graffiti stuff do you still do um definitely less than i i used to um when i was going to art school it was it was constant it was like every other day i'm out painting you know, scouring the city for somewhere to paint, um, linking up with friends or traveling to paint. So, you know, I think the graffiti community is probably a lot kind of like the tattoo community or, or even like an illustration community where, you know, you, you just build this network of different people that are, that, you know, live throughout. So I could pretty much go to any city, most cities in the U S and kind of overseas too, and either know someone who paints graffiti there or, you know, I could find a couch to sleep on probably anywhere in the country, which is kind sure. of a wild thing. Um, but I, I still paint graffiti every now and again, but it's definitely not. 
I don't know. I've slowed down a little bit. You know, it's uh, it's not something that you can keep up indefinitely. You kind of sure. have to, you know, if you're trying to pay the bills and, and and do murals and stuff, that that ends up occupying more time than graffiti. But mm-hmm. graffiti definitely still has my heart. And um, you know, whether I paint as much as I used to or not is kind of less the case. It's it's more kind of like your illustration stuff now, where it. I was taking graffiti so seriously for a long time that it it took me to not take it seriously anymore to actually have way more fun painting. You know, I love painting graffiti now. It's like, you know, if I don't do it for a long time, I kind of get bummed out or I, you know, get a little grouchy. So it's definitely still that creative, creative release in a sense that like mural work or, you know, painting canvases, it's not, it's not quite the same, you know, so it, it kind of feeds a different itch. Um, that those things kind of don't touch, you know, it's great not having a client, not having anybody tell you what you need to paint or what the colors need to be. You can literally just be like, I'm just going to paint this weird thing. And if it lives for a day and someone paints over it with, you know, I love Tracy or something, you're like, I don't even care. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, it does. I I appreciate the, the explanation. I mean, I can definitely relate to what you're saying. So not, not having a client, like how (laughs) in your, it doesn't seem like at least with your work, like you have a lot of people like hovering over you and being like, well, you need to do this or this, or we want this. I mean, obviously like I see sometimes it would be like the company's logo incorporated or some kind of branding or whatever element, but like, how much do people or how much do companies like for you and your work, do they allow you a lot of freedom? Cause that's the way it seems like from mm-hmm. what I'm, and maybe yeah. that's a little on people's toes to talk about that. So if it is, I apologize. But. No, no, that's a good question. Um, I really try to seek out or take part in projects where the client like knows that. And, mm-hmm. and even early on, I would, I would actually give a discount for like creative freedom, <laughs> you know? So like, if you just let me do my thing, like it's going to be a better price for you in the long run. So, you know, a couple of clients were like, Oh, okay. Um, but really what set the tone is after you just do a first, uh, a first few murals or a first few artworks that kind of have that style that I was doing, it sort of set the tone for future clients of like, this is the direction I'm trying to keep going. So like, if we don't go that direction, like, you know, maybe this isn't really the job that you want, you know, if you don't want this style, that's cool. I have a bunch of other artists that I know of who would love to do a a different type of mural or something. And, you know, I've actually done that. There's been a client who hit me up, wanted me to paint something. It wasn't in my style. And I was just like, well, I know this person who does stuff that's probably closer to what you're interested in. And so I put them in contact with them. So it's, it's kind of like you, you kind of curate the opportunities based on what comes through the door or people you reach out to, you can tell, Oh, they have sort of an architectural style that they're kind of pushing or a very angular architectural stuff that they develop. So an architectural mural kind of parallels with that. Whereas if I hit up, you know, someone who restores Victorian homes, you know, these very classical architectural pieces or something, they're going to look at my really modern lines and be like, dude, this ain't, this ain't meshing with what we're doing. So. Okay. 
I yeah. kind of seek it out, but um, I definitely turn down certain opportunities that don't align with what I'm trying to do, which is hard, especially when you need to pay the bills, you need to keep the lights on. There's been times where I've had to say no to stuff that I probably for the money should have said yes to, but I kind of stuck to my gut and gritted it out a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thanks, Good man. For, yeah. That is super tough to do. I understand. Yeah. It can be super scary. And don't get me wrong. I've definitely painted some stuff that isn't abstract that, you know, isn't what I like to do, mm-hmm. but I, I try to do less and less of that anymore for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you got a really good balance going. I was kind of blown away by, uh, and I forget his name, but you, the guy that you went on the, uh, on the road trip with and you guys, you guys painted some kind of like landscape inside a place and it had like animals. I think it maybe like a Cardinal or something. Does that sound right? Yeah. I did a Cardinal mural downtown. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well maybe that was it. I was thinking, and I was like, (laughs) this dude could paint anything. You know, like a lot of people you expect to be like pigeonholed into something or like they'll do one style really well. And then, um, you give them something else that's outside their, their realm. And it's like, you kind of like, maybe you should focus more on getting better in this, but like mm-hmm. you guys like, totally, totally killed that. I was blown away by like the, the style difference, but he's still super good. So thanks man. Yeah. Yeah. That was it was really, really stressful and difficult to paint like an animal, you know, on on my stuff. It's like, okay, you know, it's a triangle. It's supposed to be orange. I color the triangle orange and I move on with my day. And then I'm trying to render this bird and I'm like, Oh, the beak looks terrible. Oh my gosh. There needs to be more shadow here. And there's not enough feathers over here. It just, it becomes like a math problem to a certain extent. Like there's just a certain percentage of detail that needs to be here there's the proportions need to be proper, but yeah. you know, the, the big thing that really helped me with that is using this process called the doodle grid. Have you heard of this? I don't think so. So the doodle grid is this, you know, it's this technique that's really popping off in the mural scene where, um, so like you go to, you go up to a blank wall and you take a spray can or a brush and you just draw a bunch of symbols on the wall. And so, you know, you could just write the ABCs or, you know, dollar signs or whatever symbols you want to put on there. And you take a picture of the symbols on the wall, and then you actually open that picture and procreate on an iPad or whatever. And then you take your design, you overlay it on top of the doodle scribble grid that you put on there. And then you just lower the opacity of your design. So now you see your design laid over top of all these symbols So then you just take a spray can or a brush up to the symbols and go, okay, well, here's the letter C. Then you look at your reference. You're like, oh, okay. Looks like this is where the bird's eye kind of goes. And like, you basically scale the design up using that process. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, no, go ahead. I always wondered like what that process was. I mean, we did a little bit of that, like with this nonprofit that I worked for, but it wasn't especially with stuff that's more, like more realistic, there's no way to get like a good grid pattern and like just stepping back and seeing all that just seems like such a, a crazy like mess. But I mean, it sounds like you guys obviously you know what you're doing and you developed kind of a system for that. So no, <laughs> I like the, I like to hope it looks like I know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing half the time on anything. So, <laughs> well, you got us all fooled, Nick. So <laughs> 
I try, man. <laughs> but there's a lot of like really professional mural artists who paint like, uh, I think this guy Rone R O N E is his like artist name. And he was the one who kind of pioneered sort of this, you know, gridded doodle technique. And he, he painted these massive, like realistic portraits and like, I mean, he do an entire like seven story building. That's just like a person. And like, it's painted proportionally flawlessly. And um, he actually would use the bricks and some of the, like, like when you look at a wall, the wall is kind of falling apart. Let's say there's a chunk of brick that has fallen or there's Ivy or something. He would actually use the, the wall in the imperfections of the wall as his grid too. So he'd see, Oh, this crack that's going here. This is actually where like the base of the, you know, the abdomen of this person kind of goes or the pocket overlays over the window or something like that. And so, I mean, he, he's painted just the craziest stuff ever with ease, you know, and Mm -hmm. for a lot of artists, that knowledge was never really shared for a long time. And so he actually made a few videos of like, this is how I do this. And like artists have just been like, Oh my gosh. So now, now doodle grid technique is like really prevalent and tons and tons of people do it. So I'm, I'm certainly not the only one. <laughs> okay. okay. Have That's you ever really painted cool. anything that large or like a, a, on a wall or a panel or anything? Um, I was going to say we we're, I was part of a, a nonprofit called kingdom creative for a while. And I think that's actually how I got in contact with you at first, um, through my friend case, who was yeah kind of watching you paint at a spot. Um, but, uh, we did like two murals <laughs> and it was the process. Honestly, it was like, I, I hate this. Like, I don't know how these guys do it. I mean, my hat's off to you for sure. Cause I mean, on, on one of the things I just kind of used, like a grid kind of projected it on there and did the best I could. Well, the best we could, I said, should say it was a whole team of people. And even then it was kind of like a nightmare, but I guess it was like one of those more situations where it's like, you just got to dive into it and, and learn and hope for the best. So. Definitely. Yeah. I, is, is kingdom creative still around? Like, are, are they still doing cool projects and stuff? And how's it case was his name, right? Yeah. So, how's he doing? He's doing well. Um, he actually ended up um, taking a full-time job somewhere and um, which is, which is great for him. And I think so. And I don't think there's any official, like it's been totally, you know, put out by any means, but I think it's, it's definitely on the back burner for now. So just kind of waiting out. Gotcha. Going. Nothing wrong with that. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, heck yeah. This was fun, Bo. I appreciate hearing your story and uh, it's always cool to learn from another creative. For sure. Thanks for having me, man. It yeah, was fun. definitely. I, I look forward to seeing the different stuff that you draw and, and illustrate in the future. And yeah, if anyone listening wants to do a cool kids book or something, Bo is your guy. He can, <laughs> his characters are super fun and very unique looking and they're done proportionally in a really cool style that, you know, I think kids books could really benefit from having cool art like that. I remember as a kid looking through a couple kids books and just, I, I like, I, I was love the pictures, you know, I, even yeah. if the story's in there, I could kind of get the gist of the story from the pictures. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's what illustration is all about. That's the name of the game. Just like making the story happen through the pictures. So exactly. Yeah. Well, cool, Bo. 
I think that about wraps it up, man. Thanks again. No problem, man. It was good talking to you and uh, we should definitely hang out sometime. And I mean, I think it'd be sweet to do like a, a frog with like armor on or something, you know? So, I mean, like by armor, I mean like some of your, your crazy uh, shapes, <laughs> whatever you call them. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that'd be wild, man. Yeah. Yeah. Illustration. Something I always just like, I don't know. I have tremendous respect for it. I don't know how that would mold into my crazy sharp lines, but yeah, I think there's probably some way that it could work. It'd be cool to see like some alien frog dude with like UFOs in the background or something. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, obviously you probably know this dude, Jack Kirby stuff. Have you ever looked at Jack Kirby? Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. This dude, he has big planes and big fields of color and kind of like, um, yeah. Anyway, you already know. So Jack Kirby <laughs> stuff is sick. It is. Uh, we actually painted a few Jack Kirby characters on a few graffiti walls. Oh no! Kidding. It was dude. It was hard. <laughs> it was very difficult. You know, painting a Jack a Jack Kirby figure. You know, eight feet tall. I don't know. That dude's a master. So we we tried to do it justice. I'll I'll have to find the photos of that and shoot you those. Okay. Yeah. Please do. Cool, man. Well, Bo, stay in touch. Um, yeah. If you're in Indy now, we'll have to kick it sometime. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And if you ever want to try to tackle a wall or something, you know, sometimes I'll just go paint for just for fun, you know, painting graffiti stuff that I have tons of permission and, and legal walls that, you know, we're not going to get in any trouble. Um, I'm the only guy who paints a couple of these buildings. So the building owner, I mean, even if we made a mistake, we could just paint it over, you know, there's no stress involved. So if that's something you ever want to just mess around with and try, I could show you some, some easy techniques and stuff. If you just want to mess around. Yeah. Yeah. Messing around is, is sounds good. So yeah, I've yeah. got extra, extra paint and stuff too, from murals that, you know, I didn't have to pay for the paint, you know? So if you yeah. want some cans of black to mess around, feel free. Sweet. I'll take you up on that. Man. Heck yeah, dude. Well, have a great rest of your, uh, what is today? Monday? Uh, I don't know. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> Peace Thank buddy. Have a, have a good week, dude. Yep, you too. See you, man. Deuces.